The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome back to the Building Healthier Relationships podcast. On this show, we interview mental health professionals about abusive, toxic and healthy relationships. It is our hope that these interviews help you cultivate safe relationships. Don't say to yourself, how could I not see it? It can happen to anybody. However, when you find yourself in the situation, the responsibility to come out of it is 100% yours. You don't want to give any responsibility to anybody because that gives away your power. Hello everyone, my name is Juliana Aikin. I'm the host of Building Healthier Relationships podcast and a co-founder of Unfiltered. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Daksha Hirani. She's a clinical psychologist specializing in trauma-informed psychotherapy and narcissistic abuse recovery. Daksha has over 25 years experience of working with adult mental health and trauma. She feels passionately about helping victims of narcissistic abuse and this has been the focus of her work for the past seven years. Do you want to know the narcissistic characteristics and traits that you should watch out for when meeting someone for the first time? Do you want to know how to cope when a narcissist discards you? Are you interested in learning more about narcissistic dynamics in a group setting? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then this episode is for you because Dr. Daksha Hirani will be discussing these topics in our show today. Hi, Dr. Daksha. Thank you for joining me today. It's nice to speak with you again. You're welcome. And thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. That's nice to hear. Uh, Today we have some questions and the first question is what are the narcissistic characteristics and personality traits i should watch out for when meeting someone for the first time okay here's the thing when we meet people for the first time i would say it's not always very easy to say aha this person is a narcissist because you get so many different types of narcissistic behavior you know, you get the overt, uh, you know, charismatic narcissist, or you get the covert narcissist, or you get the somatic narcissist, and you get the cerebral narcissist, you get uh, the communal narcissist. Each one of these narcissistic types of behavior manifest in a very different manner. So it's important to recognize what the different types of narcissists uh, behavior types are, and how their behavior manifests. That way you can be alert to conversations when you're speaking to them. But there seems to be certain themes that will run through all narcissists. You might not necessarily be able to pick it up on the first conversation, but rest assured, if you spend more time with them, these themes will always turn up. So one of the theme is a sense of superiority or better than the other person around them. And, but this will be at a superficial level. 
So they may just feel more entitled to stuff, be it other people's time. They might um, not have the empathy to be around other people to say, well, do I really acknowledge other people's feelings? So no matter what kind of narcissist they are, you'll find that they, they don't really interact in a very good give and take interaction. They'll tend to dominate the space in whatever sense, even if they're just covert, they might be a victim and they might be talking about their sob stories and how horrible life has been to them. They just tend to occupy a lot more space in the conversation, just generally, no matter what kind of narcissist they are. If they're a communal narcissist or this is the things I do good, I've done this project, this charity, this thing, it's all about them. So they'll tend to occupy the space a lot. And there wouldn't be that give and take where you wait for the pause, you wait to ask reciprocal questions. You know, how is it for you? How is your life? What have you been doing? And taking a genuine interest, not just the sort of mirroring kind of interest that you might find a narcissist is just looking for those weaknesses of yours before they then, oh, that must be really bad. Ah, and you know, I experienced something like this. So when they're not really going into really finding more about your experience. So it's not just about getting the information they need, but you feeling really, really hurt. So a lack of empathy and uh, when they dominate the space, you know, th those are very key features. Another one I find in you know, that this level of superiority might be overarching at the superficial level, but at a deeper level, you may find that all of the different types of narcissists at some point or the other are able, if things go wrong, they will never be responsible for themselves. You know, it's like, this has happened because of my childhood. This has happened because my ex-wife is like this. So my ex-husband is like this. This, my life is horrible because of X, Y, Z. Not because they have anything to do with the situation. So when 100% of the responsibility of where they find themselves is given to other people, that is one element of it. And I'm not saying when somebody is presenting like that, they're absolutely a narcissist. They could just be very, very traumatized. So you've got to be really careful not to just label people just like that. The key here is this. The way to find out whether somebody has narcissistic traits or not is not about looking outward, but looking within. I always come back to this again and again and again. If at the end of a conversation, you feel sickened, you feel unheard, you feel in the pit of your stomach, you think, oh, that was like odd. You just don't feel like you've been heard or your space has been violated, but you can't tell why or how. And you think, hmm, odd. That is really a good starting point to say, intellectually, yeah, there are all these things that make a narcissist and I can point out, but how am I left feeling in this person's company? I think that one is very, very important. Yeah, I agree because like you said, in the end, why would it then matter if we can label someone if they anyway make you feel, you know, I don't know, let, uh, not heard, um, inferior to them and stuff like that. So it really doesn't matter. Are they... Psychopath, sociopath, narcissist, or just, you know, not a nice person. <laughs> like, 
exactly, exactly. So look within and say, nah, this doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, but this is a very tricky question because um, like how to, I don't know, educate general public and people like more about this and how, how like horrible these relationships can be to our health and i think that that's a really tricky one it is a tricky one you know and uh, when i've had people who've experienced narcissistic abuse they've come to me and said but you know now that person has gone on and targeted somebody else i want to warn that person i want to let that person know so i can protect that person and i have had people do that and it's backfired on them Mm. I've had people who've been taken to court by the narcissist for defamation of character as a result. Oh. You know, yeah. so the reality is we are all going to have to walk our own path. I have been subject of narcissistic abuse, you know, when I was younger in my early 20s. And the reason why I couldn't see the signs, I couldn't see the warning signs is going to be coming from my own insecurities. Mm. You know, I was brought up to be a very good person, very empathetic. I am empathetic by nature. I want to be helpful. I feel sorry for people who've had tough childhoods or tough lives. So I will go over and beyond in helping people and not listening to my gut instinct, which is telling me something is off. Mm. I wasn't able to really listen to my gut because I wasn't looking inward. Yeah. So you tend to take responsibility for other people and their suffering at the expense of your own needs, on your, of, at the expense of your own mental health. When you start to recognize that there's a danger in those things, when you go inward, you can actually learn to step away from the narcissist. So all the narcissists that used to be in my life, I have all gone. They can't stand me at the moment because I just call out people's behaviors without animosity, without, you know, with, with this, this is just the way things, and they hate me. I, I am hated by many, many people, and I'm okay with that because you, none of us are going to be able to be good to everybody, mm. good in everybody's eyes. So... One of the things I had to overcome is that it's okay for people to not like you. Because I used to be a people pleaser. I used to love being able to help the whole world and sort out everybody's problems. And I'd be exhausted at the end of the day. I used to feel great at the end of the day because I'd helped so many people. But I was completely losing sight of the fact that I was exhausted. When you meet somebody who's got narcissistic characteristics you'll find that in their company, after some time, you are just not being nourished. And you are nourishing that person a lot. Mm. You're giving a lot. And you'll realize that it's never going to be enough. They might give you little pockets of crumbs to say, wow, how amazing you are. But at the end of the day, you are going to be left not feeling great. So the traits you want to be looking out for, yeah, outwardly we get a, a sense of, I can educate myself on narcissism and so on. But go within and then you start to realize, actually, if I figure out my own self and get my own boundaries, then you don't have to even worry about, can you tell a narcissist or not? Because actually they wouldn't be finding you attractive in the first place. (laughs) 
Yeah, that that is a very good point. So no need to go that deep. I mean, uh, then you don't have to worry, like you said about, well, do I really know enough about narcissism to protect myself? Yeah, that's great. Okay. And one thing that came to my mind is that you said that you loved like helping people, but it happened at the expense of your own well-being. But I, I, I think that right now, given that you're a therapist, like that now you are still doing the thing that you love, but with your, like, obviously with your own boundaries and not like exhaust, or I don't know how many, how, how long days you do, are you exhausted? <laughs> here's the beautiful, beautiful thing about my job. I am so grateful and so fortunate that at the end of the day, at the end of a very, very heavy working day, I come out thriving mm. i come out you know buzzing with energy and i'm so thrilled and so happy that i've been able to be there for the clients in a way that really empowers them there's a huge difference you can give 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 an empathetic person can give 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 you it, there's no harm in giving but remember the therapists are not giving me the 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 narcissistic abuse in return. Mm, yeah. Right? There is no negativity coming from the ther- from the clients. All that's coming from the clients is gratitude and gratefulness. And they are, you know, and even if we're working through difficult circumstances, it's connection. We are genuinely having this beautiful relationship, human relationship of authenticity. What's not so nourishing about that? So actually giving is not a bad thing what's not good is when you're giving to a narcissist who's just a black hole Mm. that just takes 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 and sucks all the goodness out of you and not only will they not return anything back in return but they will pull you down they will devalue you they'll put those nags in you they'll cut you down they are slicing you slowly 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 in in many different ways they give you little cuts here and there so your self-esteem gets reduced now that is dangerous. So very two different things. Can you see that? <laughs> yeah, I can. Thank you. I can see that. Uh, then we have a question about discarding. And the question goes, after the love bombing stage comes the devaluing stage over time, over time and then the discard. I have recently been discarded. How can I cope? Was nothing we shared real? I have to say, by the time, for those of you listeners who understand what this question is about, you've probably gone through a discard. You know, love bombing is when the narcissist will shower you with a lot of attention and a lot of gifts and a lot of psychological, spiritual, whatever it is. You know, they just fill you up with goodness. It's fake but it does make you feel good. So that's okay. And then slowly starts once you've been put on a pedestal and you've, you're hooked, right? And now it becomes very difficult for you to unhook. At that time, they slowly start the devaluing stage where they start to give you small uh, criticisms here. Do you really want to be wearing that dress at this party? You know, just small, small things. Or, you know, you've cooked something and it's a little bit of salt. I'm not sure. I'm not in the mood for this food. And then slowly it goes 
to points where you are actually being devalued in many, many different ways. I'll give an example of how I was devalued is after some years of being in a relationship with uh, the narcissist, the narcissist decided that they weren't going to eat my food. You're a bad cook. You know, made a joke out of it, but never ate my food. These are tiny ways in which you are going to be devalued. Now, my partner at the moment absolutely adores the food I cook and loves what I cook and will have throw dinner parties and go on and on about how amazing this food is. So I know I'm a good cook, but it doesn't serve the narcissist to actually say anything good about my cooking. Of course, that narcissist is not in my life anymore, but you get devaluing like that. And then you've got the discard where you say, you know what? I don't really want to be with this person. Now, discards can happen in two ways. One is where the narcissist decides that they want nothing to do with you. So they say, right, I'm off. And they're off like a switch has been switched off. From one day, you know, being connected to you, on the other day, you're nothing to them, literally nothing. You are nothing to them because they already have another narcissistic supply already in place. That's why you've been discarded. So they'll go on and you are, you are nothing to them. Now the question here is, how can I cope? And was nothing we shared real? I've had this question asked a number of times. Here's what I'm going to say. A hundred percent of your emotions, of what you shared, of what your love stood for, everything that you gave into the relationship was real. Everything from your perspective was real. I know that from the narcissistic relationship I had, my love for that narcissist was real. I gave everything. I enjoyed in giving. I felt good, not for the narcissist's sake, for my own sake. I loved it, right? One of the things the narcissist was jealous about is how I could be happy in giving. So everything from your perspective is real. That love from you was real. Was the narcissist's love for you real? I would say no. It's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. But I will maintain that narcissists are incapable of true love. Not because they are bad people, but because they are broken people. They are incapable of loving themselves, let alone you. How can somebody love somebody else if they don't love themselves? They have produced a fake ego. They have produced a fake sense of self because they cannot own and truly sit with who they are in themselves at their core. So they are incapable of loving who they are deep inside. So how can they love you genuinely in a connected way? Does that make sense? So in terms of answering was nothing we shared real, I said half of it was real, half of it was not. And then how do I cope? It's always going to be going inwards, always going to be going inwards because 
if you are craving and you're going to be hurt, and it is very hurtful when you're discarded, it's going to cut deep because you will feel that, hang on a minute, if nothing that was coming from them to me real, then what is my worth? Well, your worth is not determined by how other people treat you. Your worth is determined on how you treat yourself. So you've got to go there. So I mentioned before there were two ways that a discard can happen. One is when the narcissist just leaves. And the second one is where they devalue you so much and they make your life a living hell such that you are going to experience a nervous breakdown if you don't leave. And at that point, you know, sort of the discard is happening, but the narcissist doesn't want to be seen as the baddie who broke the relationship. So they would rather kill you in the process than come up as the person who left. So they will make your life miserable until you see the light and say, hang on a minute, I need to protect myself. I need to value myself at least enough to survive physically so that I don't have a nervous breakdown and therefore leave that relationship. Both ways, you have been discarded. It's just in one of them, you chose to leave for your own mental health, your stability, your psychological health, your physical health as well. So you can, you know, it can happen in both of those ways, but the discard is the discard. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And I can just imagine how painful process it is to go inward when the question was like, how can I cope? And you said, well, look within yourself, but there, like through the pain, the answer lies, but it's, it's so painful. It's so, so painful. You know, it becomes exceptionally painful because at a reasonable, rational, logical level, we know that as human beings, none of us can survive on our own. And I've mentioned this before, you know, we don't have the fangs, we don't have the, the hides that are gonna protect us so that we can live as solitary animals. We are pack animals, we are herd animals. So we will want to get our nourishment and our protection from knowing that we are needed in a group and that we are helpful in a group, but also that the group needs us. So when a discard happens, that element of you being needed or you feeling worthy or value is completely taken out from under your feet. So it leaves you completely shattered and shaken as to what the world is, what the world view is, you know, whether you can trust people, who can you trust, who can you not trust? You know, it creates so much trauma at a very complex level and the journey in terms of how I can cope is to recognize that you are worthy not because you are good at xyz I would maintain every single human being on the planet well eight billion people of us are worthy of the basic human needs. You don't have to be doing X, Y, Z to say, I am worthy of this, this, this. You don't have to earn something by being somebody. 
you just you're worthy because of who you are as a human being once you understand your worth and are able to maintain your worth and protect your worth whilst at the same time being the person that you value yourself to be such that you're also able to live in a in a herd in a group where you're able to provide and be useful and such the group can be useful to you that's what you want to work with that's you know in terms of how can i cope look after yourself i would say at the bare minimum i i've, I've started to see a client at the moment who's just been discarded i said at the bare minimum just make sure you're cleaning your teeth every day eating a balanced diet get some fresh air even if it's for 5 minutes now you start small if you if somebody is really really traumatized they might find that even just getting out of bed is so difficult because they've slumped into a deep depression it's trauma it's it can be post traumatic stress that doesn't mean that you can't come out of it slowly but surely you see when you are devalued and discarded it is difficult and none of it was your fault so you're not to blame for any of this so do not take any of the blame don't say to yourself how could i not see it it can happen to anybody for whatever reason depending on how astute the narcissist is however when you find yourself in the situation the responsibility to come out of it is 100% yours you don't want to give any responsibility to anybody because that gives away your power so the client who's brushing her teeth washing her face showering making her bed going out eating healthily just go to the place now where she's going to the gym and she's getting her work done slowly but surely and then we work with more um intellectual stuff in terms of the more psychological stuff where she increases her sense of self-worth by overcoming her crap overcoming her difficulties her challenges her lack of self-worth her insecurities such that she can learn to form boundaries now all of that you know she's coping she's not just learning how to cope she's moving on to learning how to survive and then she can move forward to learning how to thrive one of the reasons why it's so important to increase your sense of self-worth by overcoming your difficulties challenges lack of self-worth and insecurities is because sometimes some narcissist might try to come back after discarding you if you don't do this painful and difficult work within yourself you might find yourself in a quite confusing situation where you notice yourself hoping that they will come back even if they have subjected you to abuse and manipulation or you might find yourself questioning well maybe it wasn't that bad maybe they were right and everything was my fault If you are in a situation like this, you might be extremely vulnerable if the narcissist tries to come back after discarding you. You might be more likely to give them a second chance. In our article 6 reasons a narcissist will come back after discarding you, we explain each of these 6 reasons in the hopes of reminding you that the reason why they come back after discarding you has nothing to do with loving, caring about or missing you. 
You can find the link to the article in the podcast notes. Thank you for sharing the like practical real life example. We need those. And I really think it's very important to understand that uh, small steps are the way to go and uh, like there is no quick fix. And then some maybe um, like it is going to be a scar in you and probably it's kind of it is the experience will always be with you like you can't erase that from your memory but you definitely can live like a very healthy happy life after that and uh yeah absolutely absolutely some people have told me um that once you've experienced real deep nasty horrible cycle narcissistic abuse it is impossible to lead a life that is truly vibrant and amazing and great and i would have to argue against it you mm. know it is possible for you to thrive the the narcissists if you think of them as having come into your life as simply teachers their job is to simply show you what your insecurities are such that you overcome them you don't want to forget what happened i never want to forget what happened to me in terms of the narcissistic abuse i suffered because it's teaching you it's protecting you from making sure that you never make any of the same mistakes again but at the same time you can thrive you can go out and really have a great time with life because the narcissist has actually been uh, in a very twisted way your guardian angel in showing you all the things that were your weaknesses so now you've healed i mean can you imagine what a badass person you can be (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and uh one thing about also about when we you said the small steps thing was also mm, would i have noticed that it is very important that when you then do let's say get up and go out for five minutes or you get up and you go for a walk or brush your teeth or make your bed whatever is the small thing that you immediately validate yourself inside your head like say hey i did this and like i didn't do this yesterday but i did it today and i i feel good and kind of think just talk to you to yourself like your best friend like if your best friend is in a deep depression and then they you call them and then they tell hey i went for a walk today of course you are going to say oh that's great and how was it and like you're not like you're not gonna say like anything like oh okay (laughs) i mean you're gonna you're gonna somehow encourage them so i i really want everyone who who are taking those small steps uh, at the same time encourage every time they do take it because then it gives the positive feeling and then absolutely yeah. and and it, it goes hand in hand with if you have good friends green friends i say green friends mm-hmm. you can reach out to any time and you know that they will have your back you know call is get the social support you need and and you will get there i mean uh, one of the things that i still face is when people are shocked you know they say they are stuck in that disbelief how can somebody be this cruel 
how can somebody be this unfeeling? You know, we shared a whole year together or 15 years together or 35 years. How can they have literally zero feelings for me anymore? You know, how can they be jeopardizing the children in this way? How can they be even, you're so bamboozled that somebody could be this unfeeling, this uncaring, this horrible. And I always say that it is, of course, very shocking because you can't fathom that level of depraved behavior. But you want to head back and go within again to say, okay, these people exist, these things happen, but you don't want to go, we get stuck in that shock factor of, oh my gosh, really? The fact is, yeah, it's happening. And then the importance, the attention has to go to, and what do I want to do about it? Put yourself first, put yourself, and what do I do about this in the face of this? How do I take ownership and responsibility of moving away from this toxicity. Mm. Yeah, great. That great uh, ad. Thank you so much. Uh, then I think we can move on to the next question. And that is, what are the narcissistic behaviors in a group setting? For example, family, friend group or workplace that I should watch out for when meeting them for the first time? I would say that uh, it's similar to what I said in terms of what are the narcissistic uh, behaviors you look at for in the individual. Mm -hmm. But there is one thing that stands out when you're looking at a group setting, when they all have a shared story or um, narrative, and that is going to be of superiority. It's going to be that of we are better than the people around, you know, our our point of view, our financial situation, or the, the way we are so close to each other and we are so pally with our family, we are so supportive of each other. There's always going to be a sense of we are better than the people around us. So if I can take you to the uh, an example... I have been in, so these are two family uh, dynamics. One family dynamic where I've gone into is where I've seen every single member of the family who believes that their family is just better at everything. They are closer to each other. They are nicer to each other. They, they're, just, they're just a class apart from everybody in their community. You know, they, we're just different. We just, you know, we have our own special. We, we just, you know, it's, it's almost like we are up here on a pedestal and we're looking down on everybody. And that is how they genuinely came across. And they would look down on other families and say, oh, well, you know, not recognizing for one moment if they were just able to look around, none of us are special. I don't have a special family. I don't think anybody has a special family. There is no such thing. We just have families and they are messy and they are okay. You know, there are toxic parts. They're not toxic parts. It's just what life is. No family or group of individuals are better than another group. 
it's such a fake uh, perception of what actually there's, there's no such thing as better than or not so this level this idea of superiority in whatever shape or form is one to look out for be it looks intelligence finance financial uh, status it could be anything so if you find that you go into a group and you are made to feel like it's a privilege for them to even accept you in their group, then you know this is just bizarre. Um, and that same family that I'm thinking of that had this view, you leave them to their own uh, accord. And because they are all having their own agenda and it's all fake, you'll find that those kind of groups just fall apart. And that same family now have got has got lots and lots of fractions that don't speak to each other, that are taking each other to court, that they are, da, 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 you know. And this is the family that was said as, we are better than everybody else around. You know, so there's that. Or there's the belief that if you have one family member who is has got narcissistic traits in your family, they may go around to some groups saying, I've got, we are so close. We are just so close knit. You know, they somehow or the other, they will paint themselves in a picture that is nice only if it suits them. So it's always about their agenda. You know, if it suits them, they will have one story. If it suits them to have a different story, they will have a different story. So they will give different stories to different individuals. Um, I hope that answers your question in terms of if you're going into any group, if it's a family group or a friend group or even a workplace, certain uh, companies can have narcissistic sort of traits where you, they, they see themselves, if they put themselves out as we are superior. Mm. Then you have to ask, is this my value system? Do I really want to be around these kind of people? Yeah. Thank you so much. I do have one question. It's the concept of scapegoat. Is that something that's often in, let's say this group, yeah, they do say, yeah, we are so close together. We are the best, we are superior. But is there still, could you identify that, okay, maybe in within that group, there's still the one person who is the scapegoat or am I completely lost here? No, 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 there can be. You see, in a family group, you will have, you can have many people with narcissistic traits or one or two individuals with the most narcissistic traits. So what they will do is they will start to get either flying monkeys who will do their bidding or they will start to get people on their side, the sort of Hoover people. If you see through that person, if you see through the unhealthy dynamics of a group and you name them and you state that these, these bits are unhealthy and you point it out, then you may well face the wrath of the narcissist in that group where they will badmouth you, they will scapegoat you, they will belittle you or they will... Uh, spread rumors about you they will spread spread lies about you and you could be the scapegoat uh, and you'll find the a similar situation with uh, say a parents and children kind of family setup where if 
the parent is narcissistic, they may have one golden child who they are grooming to make sure that their needs are met in the future. So that golden child is the one who's never really able to thrive in the world. There's a, there's a subtext where the child is not really given the tools the child needs to go out in the world to be truly independent because then there's always that part of the child that will need that uh, narcissistic parent to therefore create a dependency. The scapegoat on the other end will be the one who can see through that unhealthy behavior and therefore is not going to buy into that and is going to go out there and make a life for themselves. And there the narcissist parent may well be critical of that person because they feel threatened by that uh, child. So you've got that situation of the scapegoat and a golden child within a family setup. Now within a large group, I can give you an example of say my own family. We tend to, we happen to have somebody with narcissistic traits in the family who I call out and I've stated, well, these, these things are wrong. They're incorrect. This is not what happened. And it's a matter of fact. And it's got to the point where actually the narcissist does not speak to me. And I don't speak to that narcissist. It's fine. It's okay. The family members that can see that I'm correct have something to do with me. And it's got to the point where actually all the family members can see where I'm coming from and have taken my side. But there are family members who choose to also have a relationship with another family member, which is okay. That's fine. And there's no, there's no harm in it. And I wish absolute no harm to this person. But it's good for you to be able to, if you find yourself in a group, to be able to say, no, this is my truth. And then you live your truth. So that you're no longer willing to live a fake persona of look how close we are when all the time you've been protecting a, a story that is actually quite incorrect and the real story has not been heard by the people because you're you're living in a fake bubble i just chose not to live in that fake bubble anymore yeah that fake bubble perfect family life is the story of my life <laughs> i can I can confirm that it was like a religion for us to, I don't know, we are the perfect family, even though my my parents divorced when I was like seven. So I don't know how they were able to pull that out. And all the problems were so obvious. But <laughs> Exactly, because it's, it's, it's a complete facade. And when you look out, you say, really? Yeah, yeah. But actually, like... Like if I remember my friends and everyone around me, like my friends, uh, like my sc like old school friends, they did were always said like, oh, you guys are so close. Like I'm so like I never had that kind of relationship with my like family. It's like your mom is your best friend, which like kind of was the problem. <laughs> and <laughs> like, uh, but to other people around uh, like us, it looked really like fun and stuff like that and yeah it's but it's not fun not not at all no absolutely mm. and and i think my story is slightly similar because mm. you know her siblings very very close from the outside people said wow i've never seen such close siblings but that's because we were towing the line of that story that the sibling had created yeah. The moment you start saying, well, actually, no, this 
action was wrong. This was dishonest. This is wrong. This is legally wrong. This is what you're doing. That's not. And when you start calling out, they start to feel threatened. Yeah. When you start to uh, smear campaign and they start to create a world that never existed. And that's not my concern. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. I think, uh, yeah, you, you described very well, at least uh, to, in my opinion, the narcissistic behaviors in the group setting. I think that that is quite a like, hard question and how to identify that. And yeah, I, th I think today we had really great questions and great answers. So I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode and thank you, Daksha. Uh, Dr. Daksha, one more time for coming to this episode and answering all these questions. Thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me. I just want to add mm. that, and I've added this before, but I would like to point out to people that if anyone wants to overcome narcissistic abuse, I would like them to start with the online program that I have put on, which is on my website, parmi, P-A-R-M-I dot co dot U-K. Because that's a beautiful way to learn how to go inwards in a methodical step-by-step -step fashion so you know exactly what you know therapists and uh, experts mean by going inwards. So the program that I've set up actually takes you step-by-step -step on exactly how to do that. So it's not this one big uh, airy-fairy word of, oh, go inwards and look at your insecurities. Well, I'm hoping that this will set you up. So I would like to invite people to try that out. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends and family. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you in the next episode.